This sports social podcast is brought to you by BetVictor, where live streams, smart stats, and in-play betting can help you make your best bet yet. 18 plus, begambleaware.org. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away. Specifically, the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Welcome to the Blue Day podcast, and for Chelsea fans everywhere, every day is a blue day. Also, welcome to our American subscribers across the pond. I am your host, the man with a face for podcasting, Keith Lawrence. On the show today, we will be reviewing the Southampton game from yesterday, plus we will be previewing the opening Champions League tie against Seville, discussing the £14.95 rip-off. Joining me today is my co-host, he is the Londoner living it large up north. He is Mr. Positivity and the man who finally has a microphone but doesn't work. He's your friend and mine, Warren. Warren, welcome to the show. Yeah, good morning, Keith. Thank you for letting everybody know about the microphone. I did. Um, I understand that our, the audio at my end hasn't been perfect recently. And I know that that's sort of probably not great for all of our listeners. So I did go out and purchase a microphone. I have spent all week troubleshooting and scouring the internet trying to get it to work in my laptop, but to no success. So um, we're going to crack on as we are at the minute. Apologies if you do experience any audio issues today. We are striving with every effort to sort of fix it as best as we can. I will be purchasing a new microphone in the coming days. Um, so bear with us on that. But yes, thank you very much, Keith. Welcome, everybody, to this Sunday morning. Um, as we are recording, uh, welcome, like you said, to our colonial cousins across the pond now. I believe the Atlanta Blues have been um, showing some interest and giving us some good feedback and likes on social media and stuff. So thanks very much for that. And yeah, welcome everyone to the show. So before we discuss the Southampton game, I want to start on a positive. Now, my Facebook blew up. And the Blue Day Podcast's Facebook blew up with the announcement. And if you have missed it, I don't don't know how or why, but if you have missed it, then we will be announcing it right now. And that is that Ron Harris, yes, the former Chelsea captain, the man who lifted the FA Cup in 1970, the man who lifted the Cup Winners' Cup in 1971, Mr. Ron Harris, will be a guest on our show in November discussing his days at Chelsea Football Club. Warren, I know that you're excited with this. I'm extremely excited that we've managed to get Chelsea royalty on the Blue Day podcast. Well, that is the only way to describe Ron Chopper Harris. Um, I'm sure that 
99% of our listeners and 99% of Chelsea fans will be extremely familiar with him. Obviously still is associated with the club to this day. Record appearance maker, 795 appearances. Like you said there, that first captain to lift the FA Cup with Chelsea, first captain to lift the European trophy, um, won a League Cup in 67 as well, I think. Uh, 65. 65, I beg your pardon. Sorry, it was 67. We'll gloss over 67, um, which will become become obvious during the recording with with Mr. Harris. But yeah, extremely, extremely excited. One, like you said, royalty is the only way to to describe him. Um, Played for us for 20 years from a schoolboy, and yeah, just absolutely honoured and privileged that he's coming on to the podcast, especially considering it's such early days. It's given myself and Keith a lot of confidence in what we're doing and we're um we're recording that and it's gonna be out in the coming weeks. Um Keith's gonna make an announcement on the on the date when it's gonna be released shortly. And yeah, please tune in for it because it's it's not very often that you're gonna get Ron Harris have the opportunity to sit down with Chelsea fans. Like I said, he's still associated with the club so he does a lot of stuff with you know, like Sky Sports and other big broadcasters and stuff like that. And I know he used to do a lot for Chelsea TV, but this is one of the the rare opportunities that he's going to sit down with two real Chelsea fans who are going to ask him real questions. Um, so please get in touch. Let us know how excited you are to have Ron on the show. Oh, it's just so... Honestly, Keith, I'm, for once, I'm struggling to articulate myself because <laughs> so excited. Uh, I, I, I am like a child who has just realised... I am like a three-year-old child who's just realised they've pulled up to Peppa Pig World or Legoland or something of that nature or the North Pole or something at Christmas. I am so excited. My leg is shaking thinking about it. It's, you know, wow. I don't know what else to say to that, to be honest. I, I can't top that. It was... No, um... I, think, I think we actually kind of need to move on because otherwise we're just going to sit here talking about the fact that we're going to be talking to Ron Harris. Listen, no, me and Keith have been on the right. phone for three hours each day this week, just literally barely even saying words. You're saying, oh my God, we're going to, we're going to be sat, sat down in such and such amount of days and we're going to be talking to Ron Chopper Harris, you know, somebody that has represented our beloved club more times than anybody else ever has and probably ever will. And to have achieved the things that he achieved and to have the reputation that he had, yeah, he revered within amongst professionals in the game. And for him to be coming on our little our little podcast about Chelsea is just <laughs> it's so it's so humbling and it's and it's it really is a great, great honour and, you know, really looking forward to doing the interview and really, really looking forward to everybody getting to listen to it as well it might be little now but it's going to grow and it's going to grow in a big way and i said this on the video that is uploaded on youtube instagram and facebook the blue day podcast is here to stay folks and this is only the beginning yes, yes we have got the legend that is ron harris coming on the show but we will also be hopefully having some additional guests within the next coming months. And I also would like to give a big shout out to our previous guest, the chairman of the Chelsea Pitch Owners, Mr. Chris Isit, who has now subscribed to our Blue Day podcast. So thank you very much for that one. Warren, we're talking all positive. We've all got a little bit of enthusiasm and gusto in our voice. Let's all have that fucking ruined now, shall we? Talking about the game yesterday. Well, I mean, I, I I don't know if he's been completely ruined because, um, 
for a start, I mean, let's... I, I, I tell you what, now, there's a reason why you're Mr. Positivity. Yeah, there is a reason why I'm Mr. Positivity. And my next sentence is going to be, there are reasons to be positive. For example, Timo Werner's two goals. Right. Oh. Let's just let, let's just talk about those two individual moments because we because what we're going to do is we're going to talk about individual mistakes from Zuma and from Kepa and you know individual individual moments and stuff. So you know to maintain that consistency without even necessarily being positive, just to maintain a balance and a consistency to it, which I think is very important when reviewing things. Warren, t- let me just stop you there. Go on, because I do know you're probably going to make a very valid point. Let me just stop you there. Regards to the team itself before the game, yes, what did you make did. of the team selection? Um, well, I was disappointed that Mendy couldn't couldn't play, um, and not be. I wasn't disappointed that Kepa was in goal necessarily. Um, I mean, obviously, I've said on the show, I've said on the show previously that you know I don't believe that Kepa should be in goal, but like anyway, I was disappointed that Mendy couldn't play. Um, I love Azpilicueta. Um I think Reese James has hit a bit of momentum. I think that he's more of an attacking threat, obviously, not just with his goals, just with his link-up play and his general pace. Um, so I was a bit disappointed that Reese James didn't start. Werner, Werner, I think, plays better despite yesterday, despite him kind of proving me wrong. This was my initial thoughts before the game. I felt that Werner played better with another striker up there. And I do, I've been saying since the beginning of the season, I like the idea of having more wingers in the team. Yesterday, we brought back two wingers from from injury and still only played with one winger on the pitch. So now we've got three or four people that are capable of playing in the wide positions. World-class talent, Hudson-Odoi, Werner, Zayek, Pulisic. You know, we've got world-class options that wide. And we still only played with one winger. So I was a little bit... Uh, and Pulisic as well, playing from the right, and he is—he's coming back from injury. Who who knows? Like on the right hand side, might end up being his best position. But up until now, the left has been his better position. So I was a little bit dubious of the Verno either being through the middle or there being a false nine. I was a bit dubious of it. However, it, it worked and it it flowed really, really well at times. I mean, what did you make of it? What did you think of there being no no Tammy, no Giroud, no Hudson Odoi? Well, no, no Kovacic, no Kovacic. I was pleased that Werner actually played up top. I, I actually disagree with you. I think Werner's better as a number nine because of the movement that we saw yesterday, because of his overall game that we saw yesterday. I think that, yes, it okay against Southampton, you know, he's probably going to do that more often than not, but his overall contribution to the team I believe would be better as a striker. I do agree with you actually with the winger situation. I'm not sure that Havertz is a winger as such. He's more, you know, like a number 10 inside him forward. And, him, him and Mount have seem to have been given the job. Sorry to cut you off there, Keith. No, him, no, that's fine. Him and Mount seem to have been given the job to be the left side of our forward thinking midfield and attack. And, Neither of them, Havertz isn't, Havertz isn't playing 10 and Mount isn't playing the number 11 role, so to speak, you know, the, the left wing forward role. Yeah. They just, they fit, the, the, the space that has to be filled by those two positions is just being filled by the both of them. They're kind of just playing in areas of the pitch. 
very rarely in the game yesterday could we play a crossfield ball from the right-hand side to the left-hand side unless it was to Ben Chilwell. There was never a Havertz or a Mount getting chalk on his boots out there. Yes. And yes, I think that that's where Hudson Odoi could have stretched the game because the Southampton fullbacks were able to tuck inside and cut off the middle of the pitch and force us out wide where we didn't necessarily have the numbers or the uh, the quality to beat a man out there kind of thing. Mm. Um, so I think we missed Hudson Odoi yesterday or a, or a Pulisic down the left and somebody else out on the right perhaps, which is. Why, even though Werner proved me wrong by being so brilliant through the middle, so he did prove me wrong, I still feel like I would rather have Werner contributing 85% of what he could contribute and then a Tammy Abraham or a Hudson-Odoi also contributing that amount than Werner contributing 100% and nobody else being the other player. If that makes some kind of sense. Okay. I, I think that Werner could contribute by himself 20 goals and 10 assists I think that if he's playing with someone, another winger who's always there or another striker, but, um, and I believe it should be another striker, I believe that, OK, so he'll only get 15 goals and 10 assists, but somebody else will get 15 goals that they wouldn't have got if Werner was playing up front. I think we can utilise Werner a bit better than just playing him through the middle. I think we have enough quality players around him to utilise him better. Well, it'll be interesting throughout the season where Werner plays and also be interesting where Mount, Havertz, how they integrate, how they work well together. You know, I will discuss about the third goal later on, especially. But I, one thing I did want to pick out was I was surprised Christensen started. I know yeah. Thiago Silva seemed, apparently was jet-lagged a little bit. He was a little yeah. bit tired from travelling. I completely understand that. But I will discuss it later on. But I was a bit disappointed that Tomore didn't play, considering his last game for us, he actually played quite well. Yeah. <sighs> I, I, I was. I, I mean, I'm always. The thing is, I'm always disappointed when if, if Mount or Tammy or Tomori or James and you know a few of the other academy boys, I'm always disappointed when they don't play because there are there are they are our academy players. And it's what we're trying to pride ourselves on and what we're trying to model ourselves on for the future as well as bringing in top class players as well. So I'm always disappointed when they don't play. I wasn't, I didn't look at it and think, oh, why is Christian play, Christian, Christiansen playing and Tomori not? I was more surprised that Rudiger did, Rudiger didn't come back in with Silva not being match fit or being jet lagged or whatever. I was surprised that Rude, this wasn't when Rudiger came in. Because it seems like every single player, from Emerson to Barkley... I mean, people that have left the club have been given their opportunity before Rudiger. Well, I can't see... We will discuss it in a minute, but I can't see Rudiger playing again for the club. I wish I could say the same for Kepa, but that's not going to happen. But let's start again, we have to look on the positive side of it because that's what you said at the top of the show. Yeah. We were 2-0 up. And yeah, when the first half... Goals, Werner's goals, man. That, 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 oh, that, yes. That, that dummy, right? That dummy. And, this, and, and let's, let, let's throw this back and maybe this is something that actually... In fact, do you know what, Keith? We're going to arrange this 
straight after we've recorded this podcast, so on the Sunday afternoon, viewers, by the t- listeners, by the time you've listened to this, you probably would have seen it on the YouTube. Get yourself over to the YouTube channel, the Blue Day podcast. That turn from Werner was a throwback to when Eden Hazard absolutely dropped Chris Smalling in a match at Stamford Bridge, Chelsea Man United, and the ball was played into him in a similar position, but on the other side. And Hazard, instead of dummying it, he flipped it with the inside of his foot. And Chris Smalling was still running towards the halfway line when Hazard was running towards goal. Like, he absolutely dropped him on the halfway line. I'm going to find that. We're going to upload that today. Um, but Werner's first goal, the, the, the turn and then the composure kind of felt like, you know, why have you not hit it? But, um, you know, he's the little t- he took three or four little touches in such a small space and kept the ball on the end of a string. It was fantastic. And then the second goal... That touch that he took over the goalkeeper with the goalkeeper right there and players around him, that touch was so perfect. You could not have imagined taking a more perfectly weighted touch with the height and the pace and everything that was on the ball. Two absolutely fantastic goals. And then a lovely assist for the third goal as well. And it was lovely seeing Kai Havertz getting his first Premier League goal. I thought the third goal... I mean, I can't say anything different to what you've just said about the two goals. You know, they were just utter superb. The third goal, and I love this word to describe stuff, it was exquisite. Yeah. And especially at a time when we just conceded the second goal, which we will discuss in a minute, but to come back from that atrocity of a goal that we conceded to then score something like that for me it was a work of art from you know two players Bernard Havertz who are new to this league let's not forget that they are new to this league but the the style the flair the finesse everything just rolled into one it was for me, it was just a perfect goal. People talk about, you know, walking into the net and, you know, just not smashing it from 30 yards. That's why teams do the tiki-taka, passing yeah. it a thousand times towards goal. That's why they do it, for goals like that. Well, yeah, exactly. And staying talk, talking about the build-up to the goals, the one, I mean, as you know, Keith, I usually make several notes and stuff and then I sort of, draft it out and bullet point it the uh the biggest bullet point on my notes and the person i wrote about the most was Jorginho. right now let's t- let, let's talk about an individual moment and let's talk about that pass for Werner's goal because as brilliant as Werner's goal was Jorginho's pass was every bit as well class right yes and he's done it before he's done it for Tammy against Watford and Southampton last season it's a, it's a lovely little blind it's, it's how Southampton's second goal came about actually but all game all game Jorginho was just sheer class I mean I know I go on about him I know that he, he's got his critics and stuff and I know that I'm probably gonna there's probably gonna be people uh, our listeners now that are listening saying oh you go on about Jorginho so much and blah 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 and you know but he is, he was yesterday just absolutely top, top class. He really, really was. He was on the ball all the time. He was transitioning the game. He was beating the press. He was finding the right pass. He was controlling the pace of the game for long periods of the game. Um, Southampton came more and more into the game at different stages and stuff. But Jorginho yesterday was man and a match for me. 
despite how brilliant and Werner was absolutely brilliant Mount again you know he wasn't necessarily it didn't seem necessarily like really really involved but everything was good about Chelsea Mason Mount had a part to play in it somewhere and he worked really hard Kante covered the distance well he kept the press high when we had Southampton pinned back rather than him just sitting deep he kept the press high and left Jorginho in there as a quarterback I think, there was a, I think all round it was a pretty good performance. There was, you know, Southampton scored a nice first goal. Kante got caught in possession a little bit, but it was good press from Southampton. And it was a. It was about, Kai Havertz that lost the ball, wasn't it? Cause was he, it Havertz that lost yeah, the ball? Yeah, it was Havertz that oh, yeah, lost sorry, the ball. Yeah. The thing that I would like to mention with Southampton's first goal, and this is to do with our defence. Now, I wouldn't say at 2 0, you know, coming up, leading up to half time, we actually looked comfortable. I thought Southampton looked when they were doing that. They looked like if they got their next goal, they were in the game. Yes. But Havertz had his back towards their goal. So he was. He had the ball under control. Why didn't. Now, this is basic rules of football. I'm not sure somebody gave him a call to say man on. As simple as that sounds, because it looked as if he seemed he had too much time on the ball. Why didn't someone in front of Havertz, like a Christensen, like a Zuma, even a Jorginho Kante, why didn't they say man on? And then Havertz either lumps it forward, plays it back. He didn't need so much time on the ball. So I would say, you know, yes, Havertz lost possession. I wouldn't say it was his fault entirely. I would say that was more of a defensive error from our point. No, I don't know. I think once I think once Southampton have won the ball there, the, the mistake is Havertz losing the ball. I think once the mistake's been made, there's not really a lot the defence can do. I think they're caught out of position and out of shape because of Havertz. But it could mistake. have been avoided if somebody gave him the call well, the when he has the ball. I, su- I suppose the thing is with that is, well, f- the first thing that came to mind when you were talking about that is, yeah, absolutely. And again, that shows um, how much we missed the fans because he would have had 40,000 people screaming man on. Yes. Um, yes. Number two, yes, he should get the call, but should he be making that mistake even without the call? No. Thirdly, he's new- who's to say that he understood the call? Maybe it took him a quarter of a second to realise what man on meant. Christensen speaks German. He wouldn't have been, no. No, I'm not. I'm just true. He he would not have done on the day. It's Havertz, it's, it's Havertz mistake. I think. I yes, think, it's I Havertz think, mistake, but yeah, it could have been avoided. It could. Oh, absolutely, it could. It could have been avoided. It could have five seconds, been, ten seconds beforehand. Absolutely, I totally agree. It could have been avoided. However. I have probably only ever seen five or six goals in my life that you could say genuinely could not have been avoided. There's always an issue. So I totally take on board what you're saying, Keith. I think that it is a it's a it's a it's a bad mistake to you can't be losing the ball thirty yards out from goal these days against anyone because any team, even if they sit back, if you lose the ball thirty yards from goal, they're going to press you. And, you know, when you've got a man like Danny Ings who's going to... It doesn't matter who's even in goal. He's got, he goes round them brilliantly, doesn't he? Like, that was, that was a lovely, lovely goal. Um, and they do say goals change games. And as soon as Southampton scored... The timing of it. The, the timing of it right before half-time, it just gave Southampton the ascendancy to push on in the second... Excuse me, in the second half. And we didn't look 
at all comfortable. No, there was time. No, I don't know. I think that we did kind of look fairly comfortable. I don't ever remember being penned in. I don't ever remember Southampton creating lots of clear-cut chances. I think Kepa made a good save at 2-all. or No, at 3-2, I beg your pardon. Um, he made a good save in the first half as well. Um, they didn't create loads and loads of clear-cut chances. A lot of shots were blocked and stuff. But I didn't feel like we was... It wasn't like West Brom when they looked like they were going to score every single time they had a shot. It wasn't like Liverpool that dominated the possession against us. Well, this is what I saw. I saw from the second half, yes, we, although we were in front and then you know Southampton scores the a Benny Hill goal of the, the season calamity. from our point, yeah. um, our passing was dire in, in, in the second half. You know, nobody was shown for it. There was not... And I have to give credit to Southampton here. They cut out the space that... We had a lot of in the first half when it came think, to I them. I still think that Jorginho dictated the pace for long periods of the second half, though. That's why I kind of felt that even at even at two one and at two all, and you know, obviously we scored the the third straight away, so it wasn't two all for very long. But for long periods of the game, I just felt Jorginho is dictating the pace, and we wasn't get we wasn't getting caught in behind. Southampton weren't, weren't getting lots of crosses into the box. They didn't win lots of corners. I can only really remember one free kick in a decent crossing position in the second half of Southampton, which is always dangerous because of James Ward-Prowse, who's one of the best um, dead ball... He's hit. a good player. I, yeah, I do like James Ward-Prowse. Yeah, yeah. He's in, in terms of dead ball technique, he's one of the best in the Premier League. He's, oh. he's a throwback even... Not quite there, but he's a throwback to David Beckham, James Ward-Prowse. So I really rate him really, really highly. Um, if you could have a special teams in football like you do in American football, I think he would be like the MVP almost. <laughs> mm. But yeah, so I don't, I didn't ever feel like we was under the cosh especially. I think that we, we, we dictated the play for long periods of time. The second goal, I mean, obviously we have to mention it. It's, we will talk about it now, yes. Yeah, it is. We will talk about it's, it. It's Zuma's mistake and then it's Kepa's mistake in equal blame. I'm not quite sure what Kepa was doing or thinking. I just... that was, I don't that, think he does. No, that was a that was a weird that was a weird moment. Um, but we don't need to sort of like I, I would sort of say that I would dwell more on Zuma's mistake because Zuma is somebody that we expect probably to be pushing to be in the first team a lot more than Kepa. Um, Zuma's made a lot less high profile mistakes than Kepa, so it's kind of like almost we expect it from Kepa, whereas we don't from Zuma, which is why I would probably dwell on Zuma's mistake more than Kepa, and especially because it was. Zuma made the first mistake, so you kind of have to highlight that a little bit more anyway, because without Zuma's mistake, Kepa's not under pressure there. I felt like Kepa dealt with everything else pretty well. You know, he was he was fine playing it out from well, the back. Well, a miracle happened in the 81st minute when we were 3-2 up. What, he caught the ball? No, I don't think he's done that since he was about two years old, but he actually made a save, and it was a good save. In the yeah, he's made, no, he's made a few saves this season. Well, we'll have to agree to disagree. But let's go in length with the second goal because I think when Match of the Day or Sky play that again, they should have the Benny Hill theme being hmm. played because it was an utter fucking disgraceful goal. Zuma, and I've said this, and other Chelsea fans have said it, he is not a ball-playing centre-half. He's only one-footed, so why is he trying to pass it back with his left foot? Yes, it was a poor pass. Anybody can do that. What was Kepa doing? 
you know, they did the kneeling before the game. I don't know what he was doing, sort of, you know, when a striker was bearing down on goal. I know he can't pick it up because otherwise it would have been a back pass. I and understand he that. Went, I think he went to go and pick it up and then changed his mind. Yes. Then. That's the hesitation. Yes. And then and that comes from not being confident and that comes from the mistakes he made. And that also, and, and that's partly that and then partly being left out to dry a little bit by, we, we discussed that we think that Chelsea and the, you know, the, uh, the manager and the players themselves have a little bit of responsibility towards that. Um, so all them things combined and then he just hesitated in that moment rather than just being a confident goalkeeper and not, not even necessarily be, the thing is, like I've said before, you know, if, if, if you're not very confident, what you do is you go back to basics. You go back to basics. If you, if your confidence has been knocked, you just do the right thing all the time. You put it in row Z and then somebody says, hey, come on, it's an easy pass there. Yeah, well, I weren't risking it. Fuck you. Do you know what I mean? That's what he, he needed to go back to basics. And but he's think, not doing that, though. Yeah, no, he's not. No, no, no. He's, he's not doing that. Right. No, you're absolutely right. But he did it for most of the game yesterday. It was just in that one moment. And it just shows what a confidence game football can be. So, yeah, it was, you know, obviously Zuma's just got caught in two minds. He didn't really know what to do, I think. Rose Z would have been good. Well, no, not from there. I mean, Zuma doesn't need to put it in Rose Z from there. Zuma just needs to make the pass. If he puts it in Rose Z, they don't score. It's as simple as that. But but in that position, Zuma wasn't under particular pressure. There's no need for Zuma, a professional footballer in this day and age... Uh, who plays for Chelsea, who tries to play the football that they play. Ball, like Fantastic ball-playing defender or not, he's a professional footballer. In that situation, he needs to be able to either make that pass or be able to control it or read it better or get himself... The thing is, he needs to get himself in a better position to make the pass. He needs to read it a little bit better and be a little bit more patient with it. Because it wasn't like somebody was about to nick the ball away from him. It wasn't like he had a millisecond to make contact with the ball. He had... A yard or two of space, you know. He's a big guy, you know. Well, there was a striker pressing down on him, but I there wouldn't was a say that. I wouldn't say him, that there was massive pressure on him. No, but no, no, there wasn't. As you it, say, it doesn't need go to, back to, to process. It doesn't need to go to rate. Yeah, but for me, basics there. For me, I, I I totally appreciate what you're saying, Keith. I think that row Z is an option that is not used when it should be used a lot of the time. Right? I 100% agree with that. Totally. But my point there is, is that going back to basics there is Zuma just making sure that he gets the pass back to Kepa. I don't think the basic there is as, is as extreme as putting it in row Z. I think that's really counterproductive to the football that we want to play. So I think that basics there is getting the pass back to Kepa. Because there's only one striker there. So if he gets the pass back to Kepa and then the striker either follows the ball, which means Zuma only has to move a couple of yards to his right so that Kepa can just play it straight back to him comfortably and without risk, or the striker stays with the defender, in which case Kepa's got time for a touch. I think that's the basics there. I don't think basic... I think when it comes to Premier League football, basic has to be a higher standard to start with than putting it into row Z. Do you know what I mean, Keith? I see your point. But yeah. at the end of the day, basics can win you football matches, and we did not win the match yesterday because of mistakes. But with Zuma, I'm not saying he's a shit defender because he's not, but he's not one that he's gonna. He was scrape. our best. He was our best defender yet. Defensively, he was our best defender yesterday. I I I have I have an uncomfortable feeling about where our defence is at the moment because it's yeah. not. 
It change. hasn't developed at all. Yeah, no. it hasn't developed at all. There's been no genuine progress there. We played all right against Crystal Palace, but there was times last season that we played all right and kept clean sheets. It's, it's, it's no different. The, the individual mistakes are still there. The only positive I take from it is that, and trying to be positive, um, and it's not always easy to be positive. Sometimes I do have to make a conscious effort to be positive. It's not always easy for me to be positive. But the way that I see it is, tactically... Frank is not inept. Like, do you know what I mean? He's not a bad manager. He's not a bad coach. Tactically, he's not where we're struggling. There are still individual mistakes. I was having a very heated debate with Aaron, an avid listener of the Blue Day podcast. Um, and he was saying that if it was anybody else, if it was Sarri, Conte, Jose, Carlo, Ancelotti, if it was any of them and we was this was happening, we'd be calling from their head and all the rest of it. And I don't really buy that as a... As a, as a logical argument because he's saying oh because we've been like you know non-supportive to our club and our manager before as fans that we shouldn't be to Frank I, I totally disagree I think we're trying to change the model of our club and bringing through the youth and the English and bringing back the legends to the club and everything I think we're trying to remodel ourselves as a club and it takes time um, then you've got to look at the people that are making the mistakes are they the same players as last season and why hasn't Frank replace them again looking at this I'm trying to look at this constructively from Aaron's point of view and trying to understand Aaron's point because he kind of believes that Frank isn't perhaps ready maybe just a little bit too soon for him and stuff and he's kind of on the fence about whether he thinks Frank should be in charge or not at the minute and and so constructively trying to look at it from Aaron's point of view then yeah like a lot of players are the same players that are making the same mistakes as last season Emerson Alonso Zuma Christiansen Kepa and why hasn't he replaced them? I think that Frank would have gone out and bought Oblak before he bought Havertz. I think that Havertz is going to be a top, top, top class player. And I'm so excited that we signed him. But he stinks of a Roman Abramovich signing more than a Frank Lampard signing to me. I think Frank Lampard would have rather have gone out and bought a younger top class centre-back and Oblak or someone like that before he bought Havertz. And then I still think we would have bought Werner for the money that we got him for. Maybe we wouldn't have got Havertz this summer and we would have, you know, Kovacic and a few other players might have played a bit more and Mount might have played more inside and we might have played with more wingers and stuff. But so maybe the personnel isn't completely Frank's fault which is why I can and again I can find positives in the fact that tactically we did you see did you see the movement especially in the first half there was a few times that down the left hand side in particular Mount and Havertz and Werner and uh, Chilwell were just linking and moving around it looked like a training exercise when they was like three two one move three two one move three like when they're going around the cones and just passing the ball in little triangles it was absolutely brilliant to watch and like I said all three goals were absolutely brilliant and we did play well for long periods and Southampton are a good side and they have got a striker who scores every single match and but we should beat Southampton however looking at it as a positive we lost against Southampton at home last year so we're already a point better off against Southampton than we were at this stage last year let me wrap this up because yeah. I think that we are sort of going around in circles the criticism you know we're saying the same things we're saying week in week out so let's <laughs> The criticism let's, is fair. I do, I do think yes, it is, absolutely. Is let's yeah. just put a bow on it, though, because I let, I'll go back to your point of what, what you said. Last season, we lost to Southampton at home. This season, we drew. OK, positive. It's another goal we've conceded very late on. Yeah, And it. I will include from last season. Yeah. So that 
you know, every Chelsea fan has said it, we need to improve. Does it take 18 months to improve to improve a defence? Very questionable. I think that's for another has show. He, has, he had, has he had 18 months? Because he couldn't sign anybody for the first year. Well, there is coaching. Yeah, there's only an amount of coaching. Well, coaching, put it this way, you can't make chicken salad out of chicken shit. No, exactly. And one positive, and we, are, we have actually not mentioned him, Zayic, who came on. Yes, very pleased. Great to see him yeah. on the field. Looks a little bit lightweight for me, but at the moment, he's still not match fit because I found out, actually, he hasn't played football since March. Yeah, that's right, yeah. So it's a long time, and also yeah. considering he was injured as well, it's a long yeah. time to be out. So I think Chelsea fans need to be patient with his progress this season, especially. Yeah, it was a real positive. Sorry to cut you off there, Keith, but he took two He took two corners yesterday. One that he kicked the floor with, and it went straight to the player at the near post. But then the second one, the, he whipped in a ball, and I think we had a headed chance from it, perhaps. I think uh, maybe Havertz headed it over the bar, sort of towards the back post but the technique and the way that he drilled this ball over and the way that it curved in the air my god can that man hit a ball that was exciting to see the way that he drilled the the corner over with such oh the precision in, in which he whipped this ball over and it was perfect delivery people like Zuma coming in on them are going to be an enjoy and Tammy and Giroud and Christiansen and oh, they're going to enjoy running in on them this season I think this season's already proved that there's going to be some bonkers results. Yeah. And yesterday proved that. So I know a lot of people are a bit down about Frank and the boys after yesterday, but let's move forward. Let's, you know, let's not be too disheartened. We're no worse than Tottenham, Arsenal, Man United or Liverpool, really. Given the fact that Liverpool at this stage of the season had won five or six games in a row, they've won them all 4-1, 5-0, 3-0, 4-1. They've lost 7-2, drawn 2 all, conceded three against Leeds. Like, do you know what I mean? Conceding late goals. Aaron's the one who's pointed it out to me a lot since the beginning of the season that expects some crazy results. And every time a crazy result comes in, he's like, see, look, I called it. And, it, and he was, he's been saying it all the time about the crazy results. And that's got to be factored into the... Chelsea are suffering from that as well with regards to the crazy results and stuff. So that has to be a factor, not a huge factor, but it has to be a factor as well. Because if it's a factor for other teams, it's a factor for us as well, because we're under the same conditions. Agreed. Finally, we have actually agreed on something. I know. Should we just end it there? Should we just I think we should. Thanks very much. Have a blue day. (laughs) Let's move on to our little rants for this week and in particular the lovely decision to have normal fans being charged 15 pounds to watch their teams play on a platform with plastic crowd noise um here at the blue day podcast we were discussing last week and in fact during the week whether or not we would pay the 14.95 to watch Chelsea Southampton uh, Warren would you like to tell the listeners if you did or not uh, I did not I streamed the game good okay I streamed the game only after 
Much difficulty in a collaboration with me on the phone. <laughs> much difficulty. If you, like me, was trying to find a streaming site that either did not want your credit card details or, in fact, was having pop-ups of certain images, then it took me about half an hour to find a suitable streaming site. And and, and because of regulations, I will not actually disclose the site, just in however, case. We, but... However, the one thing that we are allowed to do... Um, listeners for people that pay close attention to copyright and sharing laws the one thing that we are allowed to do despite not being able to mention it on the show is leave a link for it on the facebook page so in the future if you are stuck for it on match days we will leave the link on facebook because we are allowed to do that yes we are yes so when it comes to the chelsea burnley game which i believe is at the end of october we will upload the link on our facebook page for you by all means click on it and hopefully you'll get the same pleasure that i did through that particular streaming site because and i would like to give a shout out to matt b who told me about the particular site Uh, I, i do appreciate it so i missed the first goal I just managed, uh, from the st- as soon as I logged on, uh, pressed play, I saw the second goal. So I was delighted with that. And then it all went tits up from there. But Warren, let's just sort of discuss a little bit about this 1495 ripoff that, you know, whether for fans are charging or whatever. I mean, I, I laughed when I was actually watching the Merseyside derby a little bit yesterday because they were promoting the Sheffield United game. <laughs> for today they have, yeah that, that that made me laugh i was sat with i was sat there with my missus who's not massively interested in football and i was like look have you seen this look at the moment right can you believe this right during the merseyside derby and this is exactly how i was speaking like completely flabbergasted i was like look chelsea's have hampton 14.95 and then 20 hours later sheffield united v fulham 14.95 and i was like 30 pound for two like seriously like what the fuck I mean, I think that we covered it quite well last week. I think we sort of expressed the feelings of a lot of people last week. Um, and I know that a few people have been commenting on the social media stuff. And like, so thanks very much for that sort of like agreeing with our sentiments and what we said about it. But it's just, well, I got an email from Joe in regards to this issue. And Joe, thank you very much for emailing the Blue Day podcast at gmail.com. And for those people, because funny enough, I have actually had comments on social media to say, oh, you're not going to read out certain people's emails because of foul language and everything. You want to send an email that's got loads of foul language. Hell, if it's related to Chelsea, we'll air it. Listen, if someone's a cunt, they're a cunt. Well, we discussed that, who played for us between the sticks yesterday. But Joe <laughs> emailed us at the Blue Day Podcast at gmail.com. He said, hi, guys, completely agree with what you gentlemen said about having to pay fourteen ninety five to watch one Chelsea game. It cost me nearly £10 less to watch us play Barté Borisov in the Europa League on a junior ticket a few years ago. So don't see how they can justify that price to watch one game on TV. I don't see why the Premier League can't follow what other sports top leagues have done, such as the NFL, the NBA, and create a streaming service similar to Netflix, where you pay monthly to watch every game live and can rewatch previous games instead. Well, Joe. well, firstly, thank you very much for your for your email, Joe. I think that 
you know, the idea of a streaming service is one that has been put forward before and is something that I would totally support. I totally agree with what you said, Joe. Um, the reason it can't happen is because the only reason they're allowed to show three o'clock games at the moment is because of the pandemic and because fans can't go to the game. So the idea was they were trying to make it fairer by making all the games available for us to watch, which then that they've obviously then turned into corporate greed. But originally the idea was, you know, they're going to allow us to show, they're going to allow broadcasters to broadcast games that they wouldn't normally be allowed to broadcast so the idea of a streaming service the reason it wouldn't work is because the 3 p.m games on a saturday afternoon are protected as to not be able to be under the control of corporate greed kind of thing which they've now got control of temporarily during the pandemic but if you was to have a monthly streaming service like you suggested with all the games live it would have to include the three o'clock games which you know, the Premier League isn't prepared to do, only whilst fans aren't allowed in, allowed in the stadium. So that's the stumbling block with that. Whether or not that should be the case or not is for, you know, other people to discuss and to debate and to, you know, present us with the facts and whether it would work or not. Um, but that's the reason it can't happen, because the 3pm games on a Saturday are protected, so they wouldn't be able to show all of them. It would be pretty easy to set up a temporary thing. We discussed last week, Keith, that if they was going to charge 15 or £20 and we was going to get every 3pm kickoff for the whole month and there was going to be four or five of them, which it would obviously, that is essentially what Joe's saying there, you know, a subscription type service on a temporary basis, then maybe that's something I would look into because I do enjoy watching all football matches. I don't just watch Chelsea. I do watch a lot of non-league football and championship football and football from other leagues, uh, the Bundesliga and the Liga in particular, I particularly like. So I wouldn't mind paying for the extra games but it's the per game. It's the the amount, first of all, and it's the per game thing. So to the point that I enjoy watching all of the games. So I pay X amount of pounds for my Sky Sports subscription per month, thirty plus pound a month. I play I pay I get quite a good deal on my BT, but I pay about a tenner a month for that. So I've already paid forty pounds and then they want me to pay thirty pounds in a single day in a single day an extra 30 pounds they want me to double my subscription almost per month for a single day and then the next day there's two more and then the next day there's another one and then three days later and then two days later is the champions league and i would have had to have paid for my bt subscription to watch that but it's just yes no you're making some valid points but in regards to this pay-per-view debacle do you remember a few years ago where Sky Sports decided to launch a channel called Prem Plus? Yes. Right. Now, I've done a bit of research on this, and I've got it up. And bear in mind, it's the same sport. Yes. Same rules, same amount of players on the pitch. Right. Prem Plus started back in 2001. The first game that was televised was Chelsea versus Newcastle at home. Right. Right. It went on for a number of seasons. It was a one-game subscription that you could have, or you could have a season ticket for that channel. That's right, yeah, I remember right? that. Do you remember how much it was, the Prem Plus? I don't. £7 per game. And that was 20 years ago. We're talking 2001 to 2006. So really... 
the prices are probably, you know, if it's twice as expensive now, that's probably as much, everything's probably twice as expensive now, really, isn't it, in terms of your subscriptions and your TV services and stuff. The season ticket actually cost £75 for the whole season. So if you wanted to watch every game on that Prem Plus channel, it would have cost you £75. And we are talking, you know, again, early noughties. So yes, you know, seventy-five pound. I suppose that's kind. Of, the thing is, I suppose that's kind of like what BT Sports is now, isn't it? BT Sports has kind of got the games that Prem Plus would have had, plus a few more now because obviously they've got the Champions League and Europa League as well, FA Cup and stuff. But it's kind of what BT Sports is now. But now there's just an extra one. This is the thing. Even though there was an extra Prem Plus back then, there wasn't the BT Sports and the competing rival channels with the other that you're paying for anyway. Now that we have them, we've now got Prem Plus as a mainstay as BT Sports. Sky is still doing their thing. And then now they've both bought out a box office. <laughs> Which is more money for people to... It's half a, half a month subscription. And do you know what pissed me off more than anything? The two games on box office yesterday were actually really good games. Like there was fucking... What was it? Uh, so there was five and so there was eleven goals, and there was lots of there, like obviously lots of goals and lots of mistakes and VAR moments and this and that and penalties and penalty misses and all the rest of it. it there was two fantastic games. I almost wish they was both boring nil nil games, just so that we could say fucking fifteen quid for two nil nil games. It's just annoying that there was eleven goals, but because they were two really really good games, but. I just can't get over it, Keith. Honestly, I just keep going back to the same sentence, £15 per game. Well, the thing that threw me about the Prem Plus when I was doing my research for this, do you know why Prem Plus actually failed, got cancelled? Was it something to do with politics? like the? Well, it was more to do with the fact that there was a monopoly on the matches. So Sky was, yeah. in essence, broadcasting every single match. Hence why... My analogy of Prem Plus being BT Sports is absolutely correct. But Prem Plus, the reason why Prem Plus failed to live up to the expectations that Sky had at the time, and this is the research I got, and I quote, as few British football fans were willing to pay for individual matches on top of paying a monthly subscription for the other matches. Let that sink in. Yeah, but the demand now... The demand for the English game amongst the public now is so much greater than it was even 13 years ago with a, you know, because it's such a global brand now and because so many more people are getting interested in it because other people are interested in it rather than just because of their parents or because of their family or whatever. There's a new influx of fans so that they they know that people are going to pay. I know people that paid for it yesterday. I mean, bent the uh, current lockdown tier rules and stuff but I know the people that got together in groups of two or three and sort of contributed five pound each to do it which is something that me and Keith and indeed me and one or two of the listeners on the Blue Day podcast were discussing between ourselves during the week whether we would maybe pay for it between two of us but then I found out that if you order a box office event you can log into two devices in your own home but for example if I was to pay for it my end and me and Keith were to go halves on it because we're in different households we wouldn't both be able to watch it anyway so it's literally £15 per household so you could have 10 houses in a row watching it and it would cost £150 rather than them people being able to watch it together 
Um, no, very, very few pubs. I don't know of any pubs anywhere in the country. Nobody I knew could find a pub that was going to pay it because um, obviously it costs so much more in a pub. Depending on the capacity of the pub, it can cost 20 times the price to have box office in a pub. And it's just absolutely ridiculous. It's just, I can't get over it. I just can't get over the corporate greed and the the laughing in our faces. And it annoys me. Do you know what? It annoys me that some people can afford it and that they've paid it just out of convenience. Because And good luck to them because, you know, they're in a position where they can afford it. I'm not having a go at them, but it annoys me that Sky and BT are getting their money when they don't deserve it. Just because people can afford it. And that's that, that's what's ridiculous about it. It's like, you know, Sainsbury's can't charge a millionaire more for a bottle of Coke than they can the average person on minimum wage. But Sky Sports can somehow. Let's wrap this up because there is something I would like to mention as well that somebody contacted me on on Instagram, actually. There is a petition going about uh, and if you have seen it online then please sign up for it because i i certainly have and i will be uploading it on as part of the blue day podcast there is a petition going to try and boycott the matches that are on subscription on the box office so i will be uploading that on the facebook site and on instagram Uh, neil thank you very much for sending that my way but Hopefully the government will see sense. Hopefully the Premier League, if they have any, will see sense in not charging us, especially in the lead up towards Christmas as well, because I'm not being funny, that £15 can go a long way with buying presents and thinking about loved ones over their football. Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you know what, listeners? Keith, that's a very, very good point, and I'd like to echo that sentiment as well, that, you know, we all we all love Chelsea, we all love football and we all love watching every match and supporting our club as best as we can and watching it live. It makes us feel closer and more bonded and in passion to the club. I totally get it. But my my strong advice to you for the benefit of people that can't afford it and uh, the benefit of football itself moving forward is, you know, please don't pay for it. You know, if you have to listen to it on the radio and watch it on Match of the Day a couple of times this season rather than pay the box office, you know, because... Don't let them laugh. Don't let these corporate giants laugh in the face of us anymore. And, you know, this isn't a political thing. I'm not turning this into a political thing about any particular organisation or anything. I'm just talking about it from the perspective of us fans who are being priced out of the game. I mean, we've been contacted on Facebook before by people that can't go to the games anymore because they're priced out of it. And that's why Chelsea and the Premier League run the cheap away ticket scheme. Um, which is £30 for every single game. I mean, I could have gone to any stadium in the Premier League, any stadium in the Premier League, for the price that they would have charged me to watch Chelsea, Southampton, Sheffield United, Fulham, on my own at home. During lockdown rules, when I'm not, it's not even as if I can invite five of me mates in to watch it and just pay for it myself and just have a party, not have a party, but have a few of the boys around and have a drink. We're not allowed. We're not allowed. You have to pay £15 to watch it by yourself. So my my advice is just stream it, illegally <laughs> stream it, fight the power. <laughs> Any which way you can stream yeah. it. Warren, we'll, we'll put a bow on that and then hopefully we'll hear some more this week about somebody actually having the balls to change the ridiculous decision. But let's preview, although we are in the, in the middle of October, near November, it is the start of the Champions League. 
coming up yeah. midweek. And it's a competition that has me- has many great memories for me as a Chelsea supporter, like you and like all our listeners all across the world. But this season in particular is going to be a bit different because there'll be no crowds in certain stadiums. Um, I did hear there was a couple of teams in the UEFA Champions League that were given permission to have some spectators in their in their games. So hopefully that will be a bit of comfort for those that are in desperate need to watch their teams play. But Warren, we've got Seville as first home game. The Europa League winners, they're no mugs. I'm a little bit sceptical on how we're going to play based on yesterday and based on how I see Seville as a top side. But it's the sort of games that not only should we be watching live there in the flesh, but it's the sort of games that we should be playing year in, year out against top sides like Seville. Well, like you said there, Keith, um, Seville are a very, very, very good side. They have been, I mean, I know the La Liga, the bottom half of La Liga isn't as strong as the bottom half of the Premier League, but the top half certainly is. Um, And it's a very difficult league to be successful in every single year. And they have a fantastic European pedigree. I think that they are, along with Chelsea, they're the strongest team in the group. The, The lack of fans will benefit us in their stadium and it will benefit them in our stadium, I think Chelsea missing fans at Stamford Bridge on European nights is a big, big loss. It's a big, big miss to the team every single time they walk out on the pitch. is a big miss, but especially there's something about European nights at Stamford Bridge. So yeah, so like we we mentioned it before, just after the the draw, which obviously you did live on our YouTube channel. You mentioned we mentioned it before that we cannot take this group lightly. We we don't have the the team of the Mourinho teams and the Ancelotti teams and etc etc we don't we're not that team at the moment so we cannot take it lightly we have to be extremely prepared and we have to individually we must perform better in those key moments in games and I think that's going to be the the difference between whether we're successful or not in the Champions League this year and how we gauge how we've done is, is is them key moments that so far we've failed every single time you know the the goal against Brighton the Christiansen red card against Liverpool, the penalty shootout against Tottenham and the Emerson mistake, the the goals against West Brom, certainly two of the goals against Southampton. It's them individual moments that have to be crushed. They have to stop. They absolutely have to stop because if we think we're getting found out in the Premier League against Southampton and Brighton, Seville will tear us a new arsehole. Especially if we have a certain player as goalie. Well... I think Mendy's, I don't know, there hasn't been a lot of reports on Mendy, really. I mean, there's been, we kind of know what's going on, but we kind of don't at the same time. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Um, Well, there's no need to speculate. We're not talk sport. We, you know, we don't make our money by speculating. We like to give out the facts. But Warren, you talk about how bonkers our Premier League is. Did you see the results from La Liga last night? And with this, this does actually relate to Seville. Yeah, yeah. So Real Madrid and Barcelona both lost, didn't they? Yes, and Seville lost as well to Granada. Yeah, so Granada, Cadiz and Hatafe beat them, didn't they? Yes. The three three of the bigger clubs, yeah. Looking at Seville going forward, I think think Thiago Silva will start, definitely. Yeah. 
over Christensen. It'll be good to see Chilwell in the Champions League, you know, see how he gets on against the very best from Europe. That'll be interesting. Seeing Werner and Havertz, how they integrate with each other, with Mount. And I actually do... I'll be interested to see if Kovacic comes back in. I don't think he will. I think Kovacic will come back against Man United. Yeah, I think Kovacic will come back against Man United and Jorginho will go out of the team, even though I don't want him to. I think that's what happened. But I think he'll start with... Jorginho and Kante against Seville. It will be interesting to see. I don't mind who he brings in. Um, again, like without sort of like over speculating on it too much. I just think that I saw enough there from Kante and Jorginho. I think that's what Frank will be thinking. But if Kovacic comes back in, I will not be disappointed at all. Um, Kovacic is a fine, fine player. So, so I'll be disappointed if Mendy doesn't play because he's injured again. But I won't be disappointed whoever comes in, whether it's Tammy or Giroud and Werner and Havertz, Pulisic, Adoy, Zayic, whoever plays. I'm going to be really excited. About I'm really, really looking forward to that game. I think we can get. Oh, a big I'm looking result. forward to it. Yes, I think we can get, I'm think looking we can get a big it. result. I think we can get a big result. I think a win would help everybody out with the confidence. Yeah. It would probably give Lampard a bit of a sigh of relief as well, and it'll actually put a marker on the group. Yeah, as well. You know, to beat a side like Seville psychologically, that will help the young players, especially going forward, being in the Champions League. But the t- the time we have a fully fit squad cannot fucking come soon enough, in my opinion. And let's hope by the time we do get a fully fit squad with no injuries, no suspensions, then we will see the real Frank Lampard's Chelsea. Yeah, and I think it's already... I think it's already most of the way there. I think it is literally almost all the way there. It's just... It's just them little individual moments that Aaron was saying were unacceptable and they are unacceptable. And he's sort of trying to portion some of the blame to Frank and I can see where he's coming from, but I don't necessarily agree. Well, time will tell with Frank whether it's more stubbornness or whether he has got a plan in place. But I'm hoping it's not going to be the situation where people will think he's lost the plot. I'm hoping that he will ride this storm out with the lack of clean sheets. And again, with Mendy in goal, whether he's going to be the long-term solution, and I'm talking about the keeper for the next five years, that that's going to be questionable. But I think people just have to wise up. And yes, please don't criticise Frank. I'm not saying that he doesn't deserve it, but... Because I don't, he, think he does, I don't think he does deserve it. We're trying to. People are saying that, oh, look at, like Pep went out and bought this goalkeeper and that defender being sorted it all out and Klopp went out and done this and done that and blah 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 and all the rest of it. And it's like, well, yeah, but they didn't have a transfer embargo for the first year. They didn't have to integrate nine academy players into an already aging squad that just lost Eden Hazard and had like had the the upheaval of the season before when we still managed to win a European trophy and get to a League Cup final but and qualify for the Champions League under Sarri. But we had all the commotion of everything that had gone on for years before with Conte and Jose and Andreas Villas-Boas and Di Matteo and just to mention a few and obviously Sarri. He had all that upheaval and then the transfer ban, then all these academy players. He hasn't had a year or, and a bit. He's, had, he's literally like he's starting from now. So... It's he hasn't had all that time to do it. Like I said, I, I also think that the club have been involved in some of the transfers that have been made and he's had to settle for getting most of the players that he wants and then some top-class players on top of it that he knows are top-class but wouldn't have been his first-choice positions to buy in. 
So I think that there's so much more going on than people are giving Frank credit for. And to say that Klopp and Guardiola went out and bought these players, yeah, but that Guardiola didn't win, didn't win the league in his first year. It took Klopp four years or whatever it was, four or five years. That he lost. Well, I was just about to say that. Let's put he it lost, into, he lost let's seven, put it he into lost several finals. Yeah, he lost several finals. It took Ferguson six years to win a league six seven years whatever it was to win a league I mean I know Wenger come in quite quick and Mourinho come in quick and Ancelotti and Conte yeah so we've been spoilt with success but that was under a club that was a club that, that the model of the club was different it was get everybody now and worry about tomorrow then now we're building for the future and stuff like that so it's a completely different process that we're going through and to expect immediate results from everybody straight away and then to blame them like it's their fault when it doesn't happen immediately I just think is overly harsh I can understand it and I can understand the criticism and you must be critical even when you win you must be critical of little mistakes and strive for perfection all the time you must do that and you must always move forward in football otherwise people will overtake you I totally agree and again, I keep saying that I can understand the criticism, but to be calling for his head and to be questioning his place at the club and like Frank and the teams and things like that, I just think it's totally uncalled for. It's not what we want to be about. Chelsea are... We're not Arsenal. No, no, exactly. That's exactly... We're not Arsenal. No, and that's exactly my point. No, we're not. We're not Arsenal. And other teams are not doing brilliantly either. It's been a mental start to the season for so many reasons. The results are just insanity. It's just crazy what's going on. So, so much can be put down to so many other things and I just think that we need to be, even if we're not overly positive like I am, can we please be supportive? You don't, you can be critical, of course you can, but be supportive. And I know it's hard sat at home and not being able to go to the game and let your frustration out. I know that social media is flooded with negativity and so much shit that it sort of clouds people's judgement of things. But just always remember the most important thing is just to support your club because that's what, that is our role. It's Jorginho's role is to play the way that he plays and Werner's role is to get the goals and to get the assists like he done. Our role is to support the team and we must do that. Warren, it's been a bonkers year. It's going to be a bonkers season. Yeah. Should we just try and enjoy it as much as possible? Yeah, I am enjoying it. I'm still like... You know, I'm buzzing. I watched I watched match of the day this morning and watched Werner's two goals again. And yeah, I watched the analysis after and it annoyed me a little bit. And they was talking about mistakes and this and that and blah blah blah. But obviously, they spoke a lot about Werner's two goals and it just put a smile on my face. And yeah, I'm disappointed that we ended up drawing. But yeah, like do you know what I mean? It's 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 coming. It's coming. It's there now. Like it's started. It's not coming. It's started to happen now. We've moved on from where I was saying we were a couple of weeks ago. I can I have seen progress. I have seen development. It's the same old story at the back. Four out of five at the back yesterday were the same as last season, whether we like them or not, whether it's Aspidaqueta or Kepa or whatever. Four out of the five were the same. That does need to change. Silva needs to come in. Mendy needs to come in. I love Aspidaqueta so much. I think Reese James really needs a good good chance in the like a good run in the team now. I think he's the option going forward. I think he just gives that I think he just gives us that little bit more as a team. So um I think we can solve that problem. Every problem we have is solvable. And that's what I like. It's not like we need to go still need. It's not like six months ago when we was like, right, we've got a good team. We need to go out and buy four or five players, a goalkeeper, a defender, and this or that and all the rest of it. We've got that now. So we just need to crack on and support our team as best as we can. And we're going to have a good season. You watch at the end of the season. We're going to be positive at the end of the season. Brilliant final words, Warren. Yes. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for listening to the Blue Day podcast this week. I have been Keith Lawrence. He's been Warren. Carefree.
Social Podcast Network.